I do a four day week, but I'm not under any illusion that I don't get any more done. Now, if I do four good days, I would get 25% more done if I did a fifth day. Hello, I'm Chris Lisserman and welcome to Sparks, a series by Interactive Workshops. In every episode, we discuss how to spark something in work and life, from how to spark motivation to how to spark collaboration to how to spark your office printer so it stops being constantly jammed, broken or out of paper. Let's spark that printer into life. Can we spark that printer? Why is it always broken? Oh, the printer. If If I was in charge of the education system, you would not be allowed to leave school until you can entirely disassemble and service a printer. <laughs> that would help organisations across the globe. Yeah, I think, I think it would. Yeah. It would make them more productive. This week, we're discussing how to spark productivity. And welcome back, John Asircom. Thank you, Chris Lisserman. Pleasure Great to be to here. Great to see you. Really, really happy to be here again. We're going to discuss how to get it all done, or even get more done, no matter what our role or workload entails. It's a very noble cause. Yes, let's get it done. Most people want to get things done. I think that's part of what work is. Mm. There's lots of reasons to be at work. Mm. Belonging, uh, challenge, Mm. but surely one of them has to be getting the things done. Yeah, productivity, bit of a buzzword though. Are you productive? Yes. Um, In what way? Well, let's discuss first of all, so the meaning of productivity. Mm. It's got a few different ways of thinking about it. I I like to first think about the origins and around 1600, our good colleagues across the waters, the French came up with an expression, productif. Oui, c'est très productif. It means it's ready for production. Uh, So productivity is, is the thing ready to make, basically. Is the thing ready to be made or to make. Um, And so part of what we're trying to do when we're talking about productivity is, is have we made the stuff? Are we ready to make the stuff? Can we make the stuff? Are we, is it made? Then there's also the macroeconomic uh, definitions of productivity, which is normally expressed as a ratio. Uh, so you might have output or value per hour or per headcount, or you might have pounds made per pounds invested. And um, that type of productivity is actually on a massive decline in westernized economies since the big boom in the 1960s of productivity. So since technology kind of first sparked improvements in productivity. So there was a phase where factories and machines and other things meant that we were more output per hour or more profit per pound invested. But since then, we've been on a gradual, continuous global decline in productivity in the main major economies. Interesting. So actually on a decline, I guess there's a feeling that we're becoming more and more productive, but actually on the macro trend. Macro trend, less productive. Less productive. The value added has grown slowly, but there's been a massive right. increase in the amount of work we do. Right. So we're thinking hours. about the amount of hours we do versus the amount we actually get yeah. produced. So over time, we've wor- we're working more, mm. we're producing less, mm. and therefore the ratio is going the wrong way, which is really weird if you think that technology and, I mean, like physical technology, like, factories and then digital technology like computers should mean that we're making more stuff for less. We're actually working more and producing less. That's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Why, why, is, terrifying. That, why, why is that, do you think? Well, my, my rationale on it is that 
work has become a platform for something else. I don't think that we're really working. I think when we come to work, we're, we're involved in a social system. We're not, if you go to a factory, I don't know if you ever worked in a factory. I haven't, no. It's you and the thing you're making and the faster it's made, it's done. Yeah. Mm. So I've been on production lines. I've, I've worked on a potato production line. Wow. There's a massive barrel of potatoes. They all have to be sorted, graded, cleaned, the roots taken off. The faster I get that done, it is done. And there's no one to kid. Yeah. I've been on car production lines. So we've got to make those cars. The faster they're made, the more we can all go home. Um, I've been on other production lines. But in those jobs, the aim is get it done, productive, get it finished and produced and then go. And everyone's incentivized to do that. But in um, services style economies, you and I aren't really, we're not really motivated by, that's not what's in our job description. You're not turning up to a production line just churning away all day, are we? Is that, is that what we're saying? Yeah. There's I a bit of social side, there's a bit of chat, there's relationships you're building, there's the, the things you're working on that maybe aren't in your job description. There's all those kind of things that we're doing yeah. that aren't productive in those terms. In te- Technically, they're not productive. So if, for example, um, we had to make 20 podcasts as quickly as possible and then we could go home, how quickly could we do it? Maybe do it in a day. Yeah, if we had to, if it was a production line, but two then, days. If they're, but if they're, if we're faffing around beforehand, having a coffee, have a break, then let's discuss the script. Oh, actually, that script, let's work on that a bit more. And we spend hours and hours uh, because the the quality of what we're trying to produce isn't clearly defined, mm. and how good is good enough is not clearly defined. With the car, it is on a production. It's clearly defined how good it has to be. Right. So, and then there's a calculation: how much effort to how to how good. If it's not good enough, then it fails, and we all fail. Yeah, it doesn't get used. If too many hours then we all fail. So we have yep, to get that right. Get but in, in the kind of working style that professional services, um, office worker culture, there isn't really a calculation like that. And we're actually incentivized to do as little as possible some, somehow. Mm. And, and thinking about that, that idea of doing as little as possible, I think sometimes productivity takes us down a track of uh, being self-focused and thinking about me and am I being productive enough uh, am I seen as being productive enough when actually we could be thinking more about the team and are we productive enough what 100%, 100%. as a result of all of our effort? Yeah, so also the hype of individualised society, we try to think of whether we're productive. We saw this in the pandemic. Everyone went home and said, right, I'm way more productive, but at doing what? And how come then we've got less out of it at the end if everyone was more productive? But what they meant is they were able to get their stuff done without other people intruding and... Um, you know, they were able to focus and they also probably finished early. But what they actually were doing is not spending all the extra hours. A good mm. example is meetings. I was in a meeting this week. I had to go to France. There's a good story of this. Project, to sort out a project, I went to France. Tight deadline. Let's get it done. I need to be productive because it's a tight deadline. Go to France. That's, it could be a waste of time. So that's not productive really, is it, flying to France? The flight, maybe not. That's maybe waste, waste of time. Of time. Yeah. Maybe. But, but was it productive? Yeah, got to the meeting. And the thing that we needed was trust. And we needed to know what each other could do in terms of skill sets and what, how fast each other could work. So I went to France and then at the meeting, we had four hours booked, booked in seven people. What's four times seven? 28 hours. I said to them, there's 28 hours. I said, let's just quickly calculate. There's 28 hours here. This is nearly an entire working week in France. Mm. It's 37 hour working mm. week. Mm-hmm. So we're spending a nearly a week of time here. We've got to come out with something good. Mm. Um, uh, and we didn't come out of it with seven people's worth of stuff. But we, we, the meetings are a massive 
dent on productivity. Yeah. And that calculation of not just are we spending an hour talking through that through this, but actually there's seven or eight people in the room. Eight people times that one hour is a whole working day. Whole working I feel day. like that's an underrated calculation for working out what you should get as a return from your time investment. Yeah. So meetings, meetings meetings are really poor, aren't they? And also the quality of the meetings. If the meeting was on a production line mm. and it had a quality inspection at the end, how high a level of performance of effort versus reward would that meeting be? I've actually, I've got a little business idea up my sleeve, which is called Meeting Pundit. Oh, yeah. But I would love I to do you that. talking to me yeah. about Meeting Pundit. I would love to, I'd love to uh, maybe we could do this. We can sit and commentate on a meeting. Okay, Chris has gone for the tea. He's having the tea. He's sit back. He's not, he's not contributed for the last 20 minutes. He's looking around. He's checking his watch. Okay, Jono, he's talking too much again. Everyone's now looking bored. He hasn't seemed to notice that everyone else is dull and bored with him going on and on and on. But senior people, that's what they fail to do sometimes. You know, I, th- yeah, I yeah. feel like if we were to look into meetings, mm. Mm. do you think we could do it? I think we could do it, yeah. The analysis. The, the, I'm, I'm imagining Sky Sports with its drawing yeah. circles and spotlight on people. There's a, a, you know, they're about arrow. to move. They're about to stand up and go to the whiteboard. Yeah, people just, have just spent watch this run. Watch this run. Seven people have spent five minutes trying to work out how to connect their computer yeah. to the screen. That's a whole hour, guys. You know, like you're wasting it. Someone's just gone to the bathroom. They're out of position. Yeah, you know. Uh, someone's turned up ten minutes late. There were eight people waiting for them yeah. for ten minutes. It's like. So there's that, that kind yeah. of um, meeting culture. Mm. And um, if you see the best organizations, for example, like people come prepared, there's been a paper, it's been sent in advance, the agenda's there, not just the agenda, but also the background reading to get to the meeting. Some things they discuss and make quick decisions, other things they genuinely, genuinely work on. Mm. And one of my, my plans for meetings is it should be outfit focused. That's what I was doing on that meeting is Toulouse. Got everybody up, got, got the, all the content we're discussing on the walls, not a presentation, everything on the walls. We go around writing on things, together, putting in ideas, contributing. I think workshops can be very, very effective. Mm. Um, and we did get to our outcome, but we spent a lot of time doing it. We talk a lot about makings, not meetings uh, around interactive workshops, but that came from a workshop, I believe. It was, uh, yeah, from a participant of a workshop. They were writing a poem and that was their last line, makings, not meetings. One of the best pieces of advice that I've ever had. Makings. Um, can we make a deck together? Can we design the should we write the copy together should we have a hack rather than a meeting should we be productive together you know like what yeah. that's that's the, the mindset and again coming back to senior leaders if you think what senior leaders i i spoke to a very senior board member a couple of years ago and said like how's it how's it all going well you know spend a lot of time in meetings with the same people looking at excel but that that is possible idea of hell it's very possible though um that at the senior levels that's what happens and then that gets replicated and then you know the 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 fixed agenda meeting is good, but then, um, yeah, it can consume a lot of time. Mm. And we might think about productivity as doing more, but actually, is it about doing less sometimes? I don't think you should try. I think working late, long hours is silly because it actually diminishes your effectiveness. Imagine if instead of playing a game of football over 90 minutes, it was played over two days. How good would the football be? <laughs> be terrible after <laughs> you'd be t- a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah you'd be exhausted. Uh, but I think, so I think what my, my, it's my, also my preference is to try and, um, cap when we should go home. They're good at this in Sweden. I stole this idea from Sweden, but in Sweden, you're slightly shamed if you're working late and it's like, we've got certain hours. We need to get it done. If you don't go home at this point, when everyone else is getting their work done and going home, is there a problem with you? Cause that means maybe you're not competent in the job that you're being paid to do. If you can't get finished, 
But I think a lot of, uh, especially America, a bit here, like there's a pride in working late. And, you know, I've been to companies, uh, uh, an investment management house a few months ago, and there was just no one in any way looked like they were going to leave towards five o'clock or six o'clock or seven o'clock or eight o'clock. And then because of that, there was a, how intensely can you work if you know you're not going to really finish till nine and you're going to be there tomorrow at eight. Yeah. So then there's a kind of this accepted kind of, all oh, right, well, I'll be here. It doesn't really matter. I'll be here till whenever. So, you know, yeah, let's, I mean, the meeting's overrun. That's, that's fine. Cause we're all going to be here till mm. nine. So, yeah, you know, it, you know, there's some, oh yeah, that's, that's fine. Like, uh, oh yeah, I can't, uh, do you know what? I'll do that now. So I'm probably going to be here for another two or three hours. And it's like nearly six o'clock. Yeah. So it's an example of work expanding to fill the time available. Yeah. And, and also there's, there's also, so what's not visible there is the loss in intensity and focus and putting the full effort into this moment to get things done. And I don't think you can work on that all day, but I do think that if you were to have that kind of intensity, we do expect it in other jobs. We expect it on a production. I mean, we expect people to work at a fast rate. We expect it in retail. We expect people to have their game face on all day. Um, we expect it in hospitality. We expect people to be polite and to serve the food quickly and cook fast. But for some reason, office worker culture we don't expect intensity, really. No, we don't. And would, would you say a, a more sprint-based approach would be a better way of working in an office? Yeah, I prefer to have clearer sprints and then periods of relaxation. And that's maybe my personal preference. But also, if you look at the data, like if you, if you work on a project in over a period of long hours, your, your intensity goes down, your productivity goes down, and the work that you do at the end is worse. So there is a, a, a good reason to kind of work in blocked periods of time and have good breaks. And mm. also the breaks are a benefit because you can socialize and do other things and eat. Yeah, exactly. Sleep. Build those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And that they come in handy when you're trying to be productive with your team. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you mentioned the point about working with other people, but that's again, one of the biggest under underrated parts of productivity is how good your relationships are. That's why I flew to that meeting is not, not to, to make the work better. It's mm. to build the relationships. But with the right relationships, you then get the confidence that the work you're going to do is valued. And then you're happy to do it. You can do it really fast. You can get to flow. Whereas if you're working on things where you're not sure it's going to be valued, then there's more internal angst. I don't know if yeah. you know that feeling. Yeah, yeah. No, well, we have spent time talking to clients about the four-day week and whether that is viable, whether it's a good thing, whether it's it's coming, whether we like it or not. What are your thoughts on the four-day week? Well, there's... there's a great, I do a four day week. How's that going for you? It's great. But I'm not under any illusion. I don't get any more done. Like it's not that I don't really buy the argument that by working four days, I get done what I would have done in five days. Now, if I do four good days, I would get 25% more done if I did a fifth day. <laughs> yeah. Provided you can focus and yeah. give it the same level of intensity and outputs. Yeah. Yeah. But there, but the argument I think there's a great cartoon doing around at the moment. It's like, uh, oh yeah, lots of companies have tried the four day week and found out that they get more done in four days than five. Yeah. Doesn't that just mean that they weren't really doing that much hard work in the five days? If you get the same amount done in less time, doesn't it show that you were? And I think, I actually think most people have, my research shows that most people are probably working a three and a half day week of actual work. However much they come to outputs in terms of results. If they were, if they had to get it done, you know, they could probably do it in three, three and a half days. They, you know, the, there's all the extra stuff. There's all the discretionary extra stuff that's not actually work that's 
valuable. There's all the internal stuff that's valuable. There's extra people at meetings. Okay, great. There's all the time spent emailing. But if you really boil down most most professional workers' jobs into what they really need to do, it's three, three and a half days. Mm-hmm. And then all the extra stuff is also partly what makes it fun because it's fun going mm-hmm. to meetings and having yeah. discussions. And Yeah, we, we know from the Pareto principle that 80% of our output probably comes from about 20% of our time. So that will be one day a week. That's one day a week, yeah. Well, so, yeah, that's the Tim Ferriss approach, the four-hour week. <laughs> the four-hour week. Yeah. But he, he, he suggests that you could, if you work really intensely, you can get everything done in four hours. And I probably do, I, I think, yeah, you probably could um, in these kind of jobs. But that shows actually how little value you're actually possibly adding. Mm. And like, there's jobs like sales where you can't really hide the outputs. Um, so that, but the, how hard... My, my some of my favourite salespeople they can probably do their target in two or three days a week easily, and the rest is internal politicking and kind of keeping things sweet and a bit of admin and but the actual really productive part is probably a few days a week. Mm. I think it's, it's helpful not not in terms of trying to adjust our our working timing, but maybe adjust our working rhythms and even just that moment sit down and go what is the most important thing today or this week what if I just spent a day working this week, what would I do within that one day or three days? Yeah. Three and a half. Sometimes we're not having that even internal dialogue and we're just turning up to work. Yeah, that's a real game changer. Our, calendar, our meetings. That's a game changer. There's two, two game changers really. One is saying no. And I remember the first time I ever did this, I was actually a student at university and I realised that if I went out every night, I'd just be shattered. So I decided to say no to more things. And then I realised I didn't want to lie about the reasons for saying no. So... Then when I got invites to stuff, I'd say, I'm actually, do you know what? I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to come to that. Oh, why? Have you got something else on? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm just having a night off. Just going to be just on the sofa. going to be at home. Yeah, to be yeah but it's, it's my party. I know, but I've got, <laughs> you know, if, there's, if I know more than 300 people, that'd be a party every single night for a birthday. Yeah. I'm yeah. just not going to make this one. Sorry. There's and a confidence I'm, there. Yeah, there's a confidence yeah. there. And also I knew what I was doing. It's like, I want to, yeah. I want to rec- recuperate and, and yeah. have a relaxing time. So like, the saying no part is, I think, key. Mm. Then the other is like working out what's really valuable. And that's where I think the four-hour week is good. Like, what have you really got to get done this week? Like, I know this week I really had one thing to get done. I spent five days on working and it's still not done. That's bad, isn't it? Feels unproductive. Yeah. Probably is unproductive. It will yeah. get done, but it will get done today. Yeah. Which is a shame because I could have probably done it Wednesday. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, what, what do you really need to do? What do you really need to do in your week? What, like, do you know? Do you feel you got? If you were to take Tim Ferriss's four hours and just think, what's the one thing I got to get done in in the most important mm. four hours of this week? Maybe it's a pyramid like that: four hours, and then all the other things. Yeah, and then the the, the day is at the bottom. I, I would love to block out that four hours in my calendar every week, not work a four four hour week, but just block that four hours out as guarded, sacred, even has to be the most important thing for my week and early in the week as well. Monday afternoon? Yeah, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Get God. it done early. That'd be good. So you'd use the sacred time. The sacred time. Yeah. I'll do that. That's really what my Friday is also about, which is it's blocked out for if I need, that's my contingency. Mm. I've got a day's contingency every week. Right. And I try not to use it up because then it's not really contingency. Mm. So I try not to work it. But if mm. I need to, I don't really mind. And yeah. I, I'm one of those rare people I just don't have a, work-life debate. I'm happy right. to, to... Yeah. I don't mind working on the weekend. I'm, I don't do it, but mm. if I had to, I don't resent it. Mm. I, I travel sometimes on the weekend. I'm going to travel on Sunday. I think it's not... 
It's not yeah. a cost to me. I'm happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is productivity any different from effectiveness? Oh. Is there a distinction we need to make there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because productivity is a ratio of output per effort. Right. And that value per days or whatever, effectiveness is actually choosing the direction, mm. okay. I think. Yeah. So you can be very productive. I'll give you a good example. Tech startup companies. Yeah. So they get a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to they start. get the funding. They get, they, get, they get an idea. They get the funding. A series, B series, series yeah. B, A series. Yeah. Then they hire a lot of people and then they make a, a tech thing and then they realise that actually the thing they've just built isn't the thing that's going to be successful so they pivot. Yeah? Yeah. Are the, are the so investors happy? productive so far. So far they've been productive. Yeah. yeah they produce the thing. But ineffective. In, a, in one direction. Then they pivot so they change mm. direction. Mm. And then they get to Series B funding and then they realise that they're not going to have a hockey stick growth. Mm. So they t- they turn now into like a normal company and then the investors think that wasn't really going to give us the reward. So then the investors try and sell the thing or get out. And um, it's one of the reasons I, th- one of the reasons why I think those macroeconomic trends are showing um, a decline in overall productivity is because we moved into this style of working. Again, if you think about it as an investor, in fact, some research on this, 75% of investments into high growth companies don't give you a return. Wow. So only 25% do. Uh, if they obviously do really, really well, you get back more than the 75% yeah. you've lost. Yeah, but yeah. That's showing like the, even on the, the cap- capitalism is basically finding its limit, which is impatient. If I just take more risk and build something early and then I can make maybe make more money. But if you look at all the effort put into that and all the money, if it doesn't work in 75% of cases, that is a huge um hugely ineffective, even though all of the effort involved may have been productive. Mm. Yeah. They may yeah, have produced yeah. a lot. They produced a whole company. Yeah. They produced a sales team. They produced a tech platform. They produced a market. They yeah. produced marketing. They produced an HR department. They produced all that stuff. So it's been productive in terms of effort per output. But then in the end, it's been ineffective. Right. So, so it could be very productive, but still ineffective. If it doesn't work out, if it doesn't result in the thing you want to yeah, do. Yeah, and I think, again, that happens to us at work. So we go to work, we're very productive, mm. but we're maybe not very effective. And again, the mm. Tim Ferriss mentality is just about being effective. Mm. How do we adjust that so that we don't just feel productive or seem productive, but we're actually effective in our working weeks? It's a combination of what we are saying before about saying no and challenging. Mm. Why are we doing this? Do we need some out people here? But I also think that's probably part of the brilliance needed in leadership teams um, and, and at an individual level. So, so again, like companies do the same thing and there's too many initiatives and then they put a lot of time and effort into those initiatives, but they're not really doing much good. So everyone then works really late because they've got these urgent priorities and then it doesn't, doesn't come to anything. And that, that's, that breaks my heart actually. And I see that a lot, sometimes in our own company, but often in other companies, there's six change priorities. People put a ton of effort into them, but did it really make a big change? Often not. So that's that's um, it's something for senior leaders to work on is trying to have fewer um, key priorities. Priority is supposed to be being one, a priority, not priorities. But mm-hmm. the the idea that you can have less initiatives and less, um, therefore demanding less additional effort 
that would be cool. And I think some of those four-day-week four, hour, four day week companies, that's also what they've done, is they've tried to cut down on the stuff they don't need, which is good. Mm. Yeah, I think that is good. I wanted to mention that in your book, The Agile Secret, there's a chapter that I remember really vividly about getting things shipped, uh, about getting things done. Uh, and you talk about the, um, the example of the, the shipping container. You've got to get your product to the shipping container for it to be shipped, for it to be transported, delivered, so that it can you can complete the transaction. Um, and, and using that as a principle for getting things done. Can you tell, tell me a bit more about that? I use that as a leader to say, have we finished the thing? Is it good enough and finished? And again, coming back to what happens in corporate work, in headquarters style work, is that the, the deliverable is not clearly defined and all the quality. And also how we make a decision about what's the right thing to do. I go to lots of meetings where there's just a, a discussion. It's essentially a discussion about what's the right thing to do that goes round and round. There isn't really a clear, there maybe isn't a clear right thing to do. Mm. They'd be yeah, better. You couldn't one, get to it even if you tried for, you know, or, or you, for could, hours. you can do it. You can keep going round and round. It's one of the things why you should have a facilitator to say, guys, this, this conversation has been going round and round for 25 minutes now. Mm. And you're just discussing the same thing. But, but you know, the, the idea is that if you're trying to ship a decision, let's say you were trying to ship a decision in a meeting, you're trying to have made a decision by the end. You should be able to come to that meeting saying there's scenarios A, B, and C. Let's have a vote now on which we think hypothetically we would do. What if everyone in that meeting already agrees? Then you can ship a decision. Yeah, let's do it. Or if one person doesn't agree, let's discuss it a little bit. But I would, I would try and have the shipping mentality. Are we going to make something at this meeting? Are we going to agree something? Are we going to um, decide something? It is valuable to have round di discussions, open discussions. But yeah, try and focus on that ship. And especially then for teams and junior staff, what are we trying to ship here? What are we trying to deliver? Is it valuable to spend more and more hours in, for example, research or... Mm version one, version two, version three, what do we actually need to ship? And then, and also thinking about the, the specification of what's got to be shipped. So how long does the thing need to be? If we're going to make a deck or if we're going to build a document or if we're going to make a contract, we're going to have a sales meeting, how long does that thing need to be to achieve its aims? I think this kind of, uh, it seems obvious in a way, but I think it's very unusual for people to keep bringing that up. And it's easier instead to, to be frustrated that things take a long time to get done. Mm. So that's the the kind of shipping process, and and, and and the other the other part of it is is whether something is completely finished as opposed oh, to ninety five percent of the way there. I I see it a lot in, in my own work at times and and in my team's work where you you spend maybe a week getting something to ninety percent uh, or ninety five percent, and then you might spend another week on the last five percent, and it's frustrating. Or or not taking ownership of the completion. Yeah, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm guilty as charged. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm admitting it as well. I'm not a complete finisher, and I think that's that's yeah. There's a lot of hot ninety percent, ninety five percent finished work that's just sat there waiting to be finished mm. and isn't finished. And sometimes maybe it needs a review. It needs someone else's eye over it. But yeah. like you say, it's maybe the drive to. Right, can I get it reviewed? Can I get that booked in? Yeah. Can we get a, a shipped uh, calendar slot in so that yeah. it's, it's completely yeah, done? Yeah. It's all it's all there. Also, the power of relationships. And one one example I had, I was working at Bacardi as part of their global marketing team as a consultant, and they had an event in Miami. And at the event, they had standing, seated, VIP, VVIP, and uh, it was a big music concert in the Bay Area of Miami, and 
I was just consultant. So I was working for them over there and they said, I could go to the event. So I was standing. But the people that they paid to be at the VVIP, they paid them tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars to come. They were only there for two hours because they're paid. They watched the music and had their pictures taken. Then the VVIP table was empty. So I said to the people, because I knew organising, could I sit at the VVIP? And they said, mm, not really. It's, it's empty. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I sat there. And then it presented a confusing situation, which is completely unknown bald man is sat in VVIP. Everyone thought he must be famous. So I was surrounded by people who were trying to suck up to me, thinking I was an American celebrity. And then when I spoke, they thought I was a British celebrity. I said, yeah, I've flown in for London for this. A slight lie. But one of them gave me their business card. And his business card was the guy that knows the guy. And that was it. And his, his phone number and email address. And, it, and I said to him, this is ridiculous. He said, well, that's what I do. I'm the guy. If you need something, I'm the guy that knows the guy. I think productivity is often about a network of good relationships. And if you know the person that knows the person and they trust trust each other along that chain you can get a lot done whereas a lot of our productivity challenges is because we're actually a bit suspicious of each other we want to check their work and we're not completely sure they're going to do it so we need a project schedule and we're not completely sure whether they're going to do the thing really well so we need a quality check on that as well and then because we're not confident in our own decision making that we can say it's good we also need to check with our bosses once yeah. we've got it good we're going to get signed off whereas if you have a, a trust-based and confident environment and you know the people that you're working with really well you know what they can do, what they can't do. You know yeah. how fast they can work, where they can get it done. If you got, if your boss has a trustful relationship with you, that if you think it's good enough, it is good enough. If you say we should spend the money on this, you should spend the money on it. Then we can shake off some of the bureaucracy that makes for delays and um, projects slowing down and decisions not getting made. So we could prioritise then the, the trusting, trustful relationships and knowing that people can can do it. Yeah, and uh, we spoke a bit about relationships and uh, the power of those in, in general to help our productivity. And it, could it be that being trying to be optimally productive, trying to be more productive even, actually can come at a cost to our relationships, our being available, our having blank space in our diary where we're, we can support others? Yeah, I mean, one of my best managers, he used to block out every morning. You know, they said sacred time. Mm. Every morning was blocked out for him to do his work. And then if you try to book a meeting, you'd say, actually, do you know what? I'm, you can book a meeting with me in the afternoons, but you can't book a meeting with me in the morning. Why is that? Because I'm doing my work. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds funny, but it shouldn't really, should it? That's, yeah. that's, that's he was excellent. He also had, normal. by his hat, by his desk, he had two hats, a red hat and green hat. And because our office was quite busy, if he put on his red hat, he wouldn't talk to you. And <laughs> it's good. Different hats. So, so different hats. social signaling. Yeah. Diary yeah. was blocked out. And even senior people, then, when they looked in his diary, he was busy. Mm. And he had meetings in the afternoon. He effectively mm. acknowledged that he's going to work 50% of the time yeah. and have meetings the rest. So I do think that that, um, that kind of mentality, like this this is work, mm. I, like you were talking about, I really need to get this done. I need to do yeah. it well. Yeah. I want to have clear thinking time. I'm going to do that. Mm. And then everything else is optional. And, and we use headphones as a signifier as well. You and I will put our headphones on. That is a signal that we are in the zone. We're in the Don't zone. Don't interrupt me yeah. for this couple of hours maybe yeah maybe there's a, i don't know how well you know yourself what do you do to get in the zone yourself uh definitely headphones headphones on just that that is a distraction killer and then uh, i have a particular playlist on spotify it doesn't have words really so it's instrumental it's kind of uh atmospheric electronic style mm. but it because i i don't know whether it's because it's a particularly good style of music for concentration or whether it's just because it's the one i always turn conditioning. to conditioning but that conditioning mm. i just 
go into that zone. Yeah, I actually, I'm going to confess, when I put the headphones on, I tend to listen to the same song on repeat. Do you? Yeah, sometimes Does for days. Does that work for you? Sometimes for days. <laughs> for days? Yeah. Does it just have to be a song you like? Can it be just, any song? It, it has to be a certain type of song. Like say, we're good. For me, I like the lyrics. I like some good lyrics. Okay, okay. But I could, I could put it on some of my songs. I kind of look at the end of the day and say, you've listened to this song for 99 times. That's ridiculous. It is bad. <laughs> I, that's how I got, I got into that when I needed to concentrate. Yeah, if it works. It worked for me. Got to find something that works for you. And, and then the other part, the social signaling, I also, I, but I do accountability. I'll tell everyone because I'm really easily distracted. I'll tell everyone I'm going to get it finished. Um, and I'll say, hey, guys, I've got to sit down and write this ridiculously, is it quite ego-driven? I've got to write this ridiculously <laughs> difficult document that only I can do. But just you watch, I'll get it done in the next two hours. And that's like, I don't really care what they think. It's for me. It's trying mm, to give mm, myself mm. some social pressure. Mm. Headphones on, single track. Oh, fuck, Chris, how have we not talked about this? Touch typing. Touch typing. Yeah, I can touch you're a big type. believer. I can touch type. I also, I, I've, I do use dictation software. Dictation. I, I don't often know. It no. will blow your mind. Do you use this? Sometimes. <laughs> what do you use it for? Writing. Uh, you can speak 10 times faster than you write, right? I just get AI to do all my writing now. Do you? No, I don't. <laughs> no. But it's going that way, isn't it? Chris, it's gone that way. I do feel like we're at a, a moral, it's a moral dilemma, isn't it? How much do you turn to AI for that, for your productivity? Is it productive if AI wrote it? Can you ship it? You can't ship it straight away. How guilty do you think our coding team feels about the code they write being supported by AI? Probably not. He told me he just starts writing what he's trying to get it to do and it often will suggest what, he, what he's mm. trying to do. And it's, oh yeah, mm. yes please. And there's no mistakes in it. That feels less wrong, doesn't it? Because it's in mm. the coding space. I suppose where it's in the, um, the more personal Yeah, what I'd argue tone is... Tone of voice My argument is, would... Is that valuable output if it's mm. just generic content? Mm. And there's like there's a lot of I can help you write a blog faster AIs, mm. but is it really valuable? Because I think partly what makes the written content valuable is it's unique and it's got an unusual slant. Yeah. If you're trying to aggregate a document that says generally what everything will do, AI can do a good job. But if you mm. said right, I don't know, I haven't tried actually write an extremely intriguing article about X mm. with unusual perspectives. Can it really do it? Probably not. Mm. But the, those AIs will come. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, but we, like we, I mean, I guess the artisans of old questioned industrialization as kind of cheating because the pottery was being made by a machine. Mm. But content. In time, people just adjust. Yeah. And that becomes the norm. Sure. We better wrap up our podcast. Jonah, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about how we're making teams, leaders, individuals, and organizations more productive? Well, we're helping them to challenge themselves as we've discussed a lot of this is really just down to challenging yourself and when you get a external expert come in and help your team think about what they're really there to achieve and help a leader pick a direction and help them work out the optimal operating system to get there um, that is really valuable and the outside perspective is, is quite hard on the inter inside to make the tough calls so we work with leaders and teams to ask to try and help them define what they're really there to achieve what's supporters in supporting and enabling that and what blocks that and then to set up a working pattern that delivers it that's also fun to, to work in and works for the other stakeholders and we've got a number of different processes for that sometimes that's a team booster which is specifically in tech startup land or sometimes we'll have a, t a tool board which is for more corporate teams but those projects we try and define a goal with them and then work on it with them over a number of months uh, to get an optimized working pattern 
and to make sure that the members of the team feel valuable and, and that they're doing good work. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, and also working with leaders on decision-making about what not to do and how to build relationships is a big part of what we do. Brilliant. So if you're trying to be more productive, help your team become more productive or help your whole organisation be more productive, do get in touch. We'd love to have that conversation. John, thank you very much for joining me. Chris, it's been a pleasure, Treasure. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks for watching this video by Interactive Workshops. Give it a like down below and subscribe to the channel so you don't miss the next video. Click through to here or here to watch another video by Interactive Workshops.